Hello you beautiful cycling fans and welcome back to another A1 Tour de France show special. Uh, so we're three weeks in and it is all done and dusted. It's been an amazing Tour de France and today I'm going to have a look back at Kayla Bion who took victory today. I'm going to have a look back at overall winner Egan Bernal, what it means for Colombia to have their first ever Grand Tour winner. Where does this leave Grant Thomas in the sky pecking order now with uh, four Grand Tour stage winners on the current Ineos roster? Going to have a look at Wiggins, sauced on the back of the motorbike, how other teams need to raise their game, what it means for Luke Rowe to not be on the Champs-Élysées, and will we have a first ever Colombian World Tour cycling team? So we got a busy show ahead. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in. So our stage today, they call it the Sprinters World Championships, race down the Champs-Élysées. Uh, we finished off with Caleb Ewan taking the win, Dylan Gronewag in second, and Bonifacio taking third. Bonifacio, a little bit unexpected uh, on the podium, but after three weeks of racing, it's, you know, the form book is nearly out the window. It's hard to know how so many sprinters have come through the, have come through the Alps and the Pyrenees. Uh, I had myself a little wager on today's stage on Paddy Power. Uh, I went, I got Sagan, I think, at 6 to 1. And then I got Caleb, I'm going to say, at 15 to 8. Look, it was big money stuff there. The tenor on Sagan, it was kind of my, my bet that I was looking to come in. As I said in yesterday's show, heart said Sagan, head said Caleb. So I went with a 10 euro on Sagan at 6 to 1 and a 5 on Caleb to hedge. So Caleb won and I ended up breaking even. So very exciting stuff there. My hedging betting strategy. Look, it worked well. It's uh, I think if you know the if you know your cycling, and especially if you're listening to these sort of daily podcasts and you're keeping abreast of your cycling, you probably know a lot more than the bookmaker and it's it's quite easy to pick out those smart little bets. Like, you know, if you had to play a little bet like uh Grunewagen, Caleb and then Viviani, a fiver on each of them, you're almost guaranteed to take the win out of the three of them and you're gonna come out ahead. So it very yeah, very easy to beat the bookies on on the cycling stuff, especially on stages like that. They're a little bit formulaic and we have a good idea. You know, we know the breaks never has a break ever stayed away on the Sean Silesia. I don't think so. Not not that I can remember anyway. I've seen uh Greg Van Avermaet had a good ping off there late, but it shows you how fast these lead out trains are going because Van Avermaet had a good ping off it and we know the power he has. He's an insane horse. He looks a bit chunky this year. Uh, I, I don't know what the story is with me. He definitely looks chunky and that CCC Sprat kit's doing nothing for him. Uh, he was absolute hitter with BMC and he would have been one of my favourite riders, but I don't know, he looks a bit tired and old and withered or something this season. Uh, he needs to get himself on that red light therapy. Uh, yeah, he's, he's faded, but anyway, he's still got that big horsepower, so... Uh, he took a took a flyer, I think four or five k to go, but it was so easily shut down it was untrue. Uh, some sprinters had bad luck, I suppose we'll call them for uh, to use a disparaging phrase. We we'll call them second tier sprinters. Uh, Michael Matthews and Sonny Calbrelli both had mechanicals inside the last, I'm gonna say fifteen k or so. Um, yeah, Calbrelli got back in. He had a nice little domestique to drop back for him. Vincenzo Nibali, eleven Grand Tour podiums for Vincenzo Nibali. The best GC rider of a generation. Uh, Chris Froome included. You'd have to say Vincenzo Nibli at the moment. Froome obviously has a lot more chapters to write in that legacy. I think Froome's four Tour de France wins and a Vuelta win. Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to... 
Nibli's consistency, 11 podiums, is insane. And when you throw in your Milan San Remo's uh, into that equation, I just tip tip it to Nibli over Froome. But Froome's back. Froome, Froome, Froome is back. Froome! Uh, Froome is back on the trainer. He's back with one leg. You'd have to wonder if that's doing his recovery any good. It looks like it's brutal painful. He's one leg on a sponge or some shit. And he's got the other leg pedaling away. Uh, more for the cameras, I'd say, or maybe for his morale. I've been that soldier myself. I remember breaking a collarbone in racing in Canada. Did I, no, I was racing in Florida when I broke the collarbone. I was rehabbing in Toronto and going back to Toronto, getting the surgery in like a day after the surgery, two days after the surgery. Back on the turbo trainer, couldn't hold the bars, sitting upright, using some sort of shelf to prop my arm up. Back on the turbo trainer, can barely turn the leg, still road rash to fuck all over. And just looking back like what benefit are you getting out of them sessions like so so mentally challenging to get 15 minutes in in that extreme pain using some sort of opioid based painkiller at the time oxycotton i think it was highly addictive uh i was in shocking pain after the surgery the surgery was 20 times worse than i've had a lot of crashes in my day but the surgery from that was the most painful thing i've ever experienced it was 20 times worse than the actual break i be timing my painkiller so i'd say my next lot would be like two o'clock and i'd be literally counting down minutes until two o'clock and i'd be in nine ten out of ten pain at like a minute to two i take that at two o'clock boom gone don't know how much of that was placebo don't know how much of it was the extremely addictive potent opioid that is oxycotton but who knows uh nice little drug a nice little drug indeed uh Garant Thomas, uh, a great iconic image of Garant Thomas crossing the finish line hand in hand with Egan Bernal. It was like uh, a handing over from, <clears throat> don't call him a veteran, but the experienced uh, to the new the, the, the new era, the new generation. Uh, it's, it was a symbolic and it was also a mark of just how classy a guy Garant Thomas is. He's the defending champion and there was never a doubt that he was going to go on the attack yesterday. He, he done what all good pros do, He good soldiers. He fell in line and he helped his teammate out, Bernal. Helped him out on the road, but as we've seen from interviews and podcasts. Garan Thomas has a podcast, didn't even know that. He was co-hosting it with Luke Rowe during the tour. I didn't hear anything about it. Very quiet. The only ones I heard that had a podcast were Wiggins and Eurosport. That was great value. And obviously the Armstrong Move podcast was very good. And then there's some, you know, the cycling podcast, the Rafa one, whatever that's called. Like, that's pure tort. Like, it, it's bad shit. It's bad. Uh, like, the guys are doing they're doing their best, but it's it's very sterile. It's very British. Uh, yeah, it, it's not for me. I'm sure there's a, an audience there that enjoys that, but I'd struggle to listen to five minutes of it. It's it's too polished and it's too, it's too proper British. But... I think Wiggins is great because he doesn't take himself too seriously. He obviously has tons of experience and brings a perspective that's very difficult to get. You know, he brings the Grand Tour winner perspective to a debate, which is almost impossible to get in any debate. Uh, Kelly, like the coverage on Eurosports, it's world class with Kelly as well. He's brilliant. But anyway, I'm going on. As you'll, if you're listening, if you're a regular listener, you'll know I do go on these segues. the role of G within the team now. Uh, I think he's got another Grand Tour in him. 
yeah, it, it's going to be tough because it's a stacked roster and Froome, Thomas, Carapaz, Bernal, Bresford's got to play cute who goes where. And, but I think G has another one. If you think about like two years ago, G had, I think, 11th or 12th was his best ever GC position. He had no results of note. He goes and wins the Tour de France last year. We were all waiting for him to blow up all the way along, pretty much the same as we were with Alaphilippe this year, where we are saying, this can't last, this can't last. And then he goes and wins on Optoez, and he obviously goes on and wins the Tour de France, and his life must have changed. He went from, you know, normal guy, G, kind of low-key, playing second fiddle to Port, Wiggins, Froome, through the years, to all the attention and all the spotlight going on top of him. So that's got to be tough for Thomas, and it's... It was a big, big year of media obligations for him. It was a big year getting used to being Tour de France champion. He had some crashes. Preparation wasn't good. So bearing all that in mind, to come back and play second in the Tour de France, his second best ever result, it's pretty remarkable. And I think he's got more to come. I think he's got to do it carefully. I really think he's a company man. I can't see him leaving Ineos, but... Like I was gonna say, he'd be better off leaving Ineos, but then you look at just how like Landis performed since leaving, uh, Richie Ports performed since leaving. Like they all left because they thought they could go and win Grand Tours when they left, but it's proved very difficult. And Ineos is a well-oiled unit, so most probably his best bet is there, and some smart man management from Portal and Brailsford as to where they send Thomas and how he prepares for races and that type of thing. Uh. I totally enjoyed today's stage. Uh, I know it's a bit of a it's a bit of mucking around. It's the late start, and I'm finding myself now. I'm back in I'm back in Dublin, by the way. Uh, came up uh, this morning. I was only down. Uh, I was down to two nights in Kinsale, beautiful part of the world. If anyone's not from Ireland, get down and check it out. Uh, beautiful bike riding around there, all around the uh, wild Atlantic Way, out at, like Kinsale down towards Clonakilty and stuff. It's amazing out around the old head of Kinsale. Some of the most picturesque and beautiful riding in the country that's well worth checking out uh last week actually i was out in mayo as well and that's some beautiful beautiful riding assuming the weather oh, sure she'd be a great little county if you stuck a roof over her. the weather i'm not sure if any other i gotta look at joe rogan podcast see does he drink water during the podcast because i get parched when i'm giving these podcasts that's what some of the pauses are uh, I guess Joe Rogan's interviewing people, so he's sipping away like a sneaky little fucker when he's interviewing them. So yeah, the Tour de France podcast hasn't really led itself to a lot of guests, but as we go, uh, the daily Tour de France podcast is hard as well. Uh, I've done it a couple of years ago with YouTube videos daily. It's a bit of a grind, uh, but I will roll back into a more consistent, probably week or bi-weekly podcasts uh coming up in the next next week tour de france is over so yeah i totally enjoyed today's stage very formulaic as we say break goes break comes back sprinters contest but paris as a venue is phenomenal you know it's the biggest annual sporting event in the world they were debating in commentary what's the second biggest i've no idea is it wimbledon is it the golf i've no idea uh but paris is just such a beautiful scenic backdrop and watching Bernal standing on the top step of the podium with his girlfriend there, his family there. you got to remember, this is a family, you know, this family hasn't come from Black Rock, you know. They haven't come from affluent suburbs in London or Paris or Munich. They're from Bogota. It, it's different in Bogota. Uh, 
they're coming from relative poverty from what we're used to here in the west so this this is huge for the village it's huge for the whole family and it's it, it could set the family up for generations and you could see the mother was talking yesterday about how they just didn't have enough money to give Aegon a proper upbringing they said it was hard for him and you know coming from them when they say hard it means different than when we say hard uh it's not like hard like oh i didn't get a car until i was 19 it was real hard like it's not like that uh so the, you could see the pride on their faces he took the top step with the colombian national anthem and uh, the arc the tree off in the background and it's absolutely it was amazing it was absolutely amazing backdrop uh i stuck out i, I get a, kind of random messages on twitter and instagram and a couple of emails and stuff basically kind of like what have you been up to for the week or we haven't heard from you from the week and it, not so much this week because obviously you guys have been hearing from me pretty much full gas this week uh but in previous weeks i've been quiet if i've been away researching something uh i'd get like you know what's going on what are you up to and uh i kind of have i suppose weird weeks and it's people are looking for a little bit of an insight into what i'm doing week to week it's definitely not your you know your typical uh week that a lot of people would have so i guess some people are finding it interesting so i started throwing out a, a weekly email like a five point bullet point email i rubbed the idea off tim ferris actually he does a five bullet point friday or something i'm not organized enough to get it out on a friday so kind of get it out anywhere between thursday and sunday but uh, i just took five kind of topics and they're the main focus for me for the week and i pinged them out in an email so i'm going to just run through some of the ones that i went through this week so these are things that were on my mind or i was pondering or contemplating this week so it's what book was i reading so i was reading actually victor franklin if anyone hasn't read it, it's unreal it's man's search for meaning it's about a guy who's a prisoner in a nazi concentration camp it's kind of a what's a meaning of life type book but it's brilliant totally enjoyable uh, i'm a good man for quotes i enjoy quotes when i find a quote i like i like to scribble it down in a journal i'm constantly scribbling journals everywhere i have about eight journals even if i go into town for the day i feel the need to bring two or three journals with me different journals for different topics but i always try and scribble down quotes and i found a nice seneca quote this week that i was kind of just wondering about and i suppose it occupied a bit of free time when i was out on the bike just letting it sink in and take my meaning for it so seneca said sometimes even to live is an act of courage true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears but to rest satisfied with what we have which is sufficient for he that is so wants nothing enjoyed that quote enjoyed it uh best event i attended this week was another i was at a wim hof cold immersion workshop this week uh, you know we've uh i've a beta group it's kind of a biohacked cyclist group with a lot of corporate type guys on it uh it's it's a closed group it's not open for uh clients but we experiment with a lot of stuff like uh cold thermogenesis control and blood sugar levels uh with you know strategies like uh, lotus extract apple cider vinegar up regulation of glue four transponders uh we're mucking about with some uh, photobiomodulation it's kind of like light therapy and uh, a bunch of crazy wacky stuff like that which you know i shouldn't put the title crazy wacky on it because i would have a couple of years ago but stuff you know rooted in some cool science now and it seems to be only the top execs and stuff can afford this uh, 
but yeah no i'm happy to be a part of that's kind of i guess the new wave of coaching which we're definitely enjoying being uh, a part of and leading uh leading a lot of the research into it so that's fun uh i've seen wiggins sauced on the back of the motorbike today which was really funny i've a lot of time for bradley wiggins uh wiggins i, I guess i would have grown up with cycling long before i ever raced the bike you know i would have the tv would have been always on in my house uh with bike races on and wiggins just strikes me as that type of character as well he's an old romantic the way he sees the bike the way you know his i seen him he posted a picture of himself and vincenzo nibali yesterday and he said he was nearly fighting a french fan for nibali's bottle at the top of uh was it valeres valeres yesterday the horse category climb on the shortened stage uh wiggins strikes me as a fan even though he's a grand tour winner he's a fan almost and i love that but today he was on the back of the motorbike and he was going from car to car and he was getting a glass of champagne nearly off every car so if you're looking for a bit of entertainment jump on the wiggins twitter account there and you'll see him completely sauce talking about it uh just how little he's had to eat that day and how he's a bit of a danger on the back of the bike i'm sure he'll get uh he'll probably get but i don't think he'll get sacked from eurosport for it because he was great value for the whole thing but you'll definitely get complaints about it. it's promoting irresponsible drinking on the back of the motorbike yada yada yeah the sterile police okay the podium that we've rounded out with it's not a podium anyone expected it's not a podium that even won a stage this year it's 22 year old egan bernal standing on top garant thomas in second and kreiswick the ninth dutch man to stand on a podium in third uh sagan obviously the institution that he is wrapped up the green jersey competition with two french men standing on the podium uh bardet who like it looked like his tour was over in week one sort of pull out a king of the mountains jersey there was a great tweet this morning from bardet when he was a kid watching the tour wearing a king of the mountains jersey for so for him to stand on the podium in paris with a king of the mountains jersey on you know that means something and it means something for engaging the french fans as well and we almost couldn't have had a podium it would have been a different race without the most aggressive rider in the race julian alaphilippe people like alaphilippe and sagan they're essential for cycling they're the great characters in cycling and they're what's going to attract sponsors or what's going to attract kids they're absolutely brilliant and i'm looking forward to watching them for the next decade uh the, the podium meant something different to everyone you know as i said for bardet it's the realization of a childhood dream for Bernal, we went through that with the, you know, uh, the poverty that he's come from, the, you know, coming up, being identified by Brailsford. He came through an Italian team. Is it, is it Saki or something like that? Uh, that brought him in an Italian team. Uh, and, you know, now it's obviously vindication that it's this is a career for him, that he can make money out of it, that he can support his family out of this, that... You know it means a lot and empowers the whole country as well you know i was had lunch today with a friend and his uh his girlfriend's son is a uh, colombian and like his sweater a like it's a cycling conversation you know how many 12 year old kids you meet in ireland that it's a cycling conversation straight away they just love it it's their it's their football it's it's what they do it's their main sporty like i oh, didn't see him 20 seconds till he mentioned the word cantana uh cantana's his favorite rider so it's, it's brilliant to see and then i think kreiswick you know 32 years old he controversially or not more unluckily than controversially lost the giro a couple of years ago uh he's 
it's nice for him to stand on the podium. I think a criticism maybe of him was yesterday, a criticism level by me as much as uh, some of the other media, uh, that he didn't attack. But you got to look. He's on a podium with Egan Bernal. Who knows what Bernal goes on to be? Uh, who knows what Thomas, Thomas could pull out under two or three tour wins. He's on a podium with two of the great riders of our generation. If he attacks and he slips down to fourth, that's a different narrative for his kids. It's a different narrative for his grandkids. He can pull out that picture when he's 90 years old and say, oh, I was on the podium with Egan Bernal. Potentially could run on to be one of the greatest riders ever. We don't know yet. That story is still to be written. There was a lot to lose. There was a lot to lose for Chryswick by going on the attack. And yeah, I'm glad to see him get a podium. It's He's deserved it. He's riding well for a couple of years now. As, as I said, I was on the, on the hill on Alpe d'Huez last year. And Chryswick was out uh, attacking the main GC guys with Bernal on the front of the group chasing behind through the crowds. And great TV. So uh, I'm glad to see the two boys again back and animating the race this year. Like Ineos didn't win a stage this year. And they had quick step do almost all of the riding for them. It's the I mentioned it yesterday. The quote from Grant Thomas just sticks in my head. There's many ways to win the Tour de France. We're used to seeing them on the front, controlling the race day in, day out. They didn't this year. They sat back and they waited. Like Brian Smith in Eurosport coverage was talking about how they're weak this year. Are they weak or are they absolutely genius? Because they've wound out one two. And they've had quick step to the riding for them all week. Like, do they just know the altitude, the high mountains, toward week, he can't sustain it. We have more in reserve. We can wait and attack then. So they have quick step, defend the jersey, all through the first two weeks. The Sky Boys are chilling. And now instead of, you know, having one protected rider, it works to go in with a, a co-leader as they done with two protected riders, and they put the two boys on the podium 1-2. I'm not saying it was that tactical and that's how it played out, but it played out, and it's 1-2, and you can't say Brailsford's lucky because he's just not lucky. It, it It's it's not luck when you do it every single time. Other teams need to step up. They need to raise their game. Uh, you know, movie star yesterday, we're riding for the team prize. Like, it's a load of shite. Like, they could have won the stage yesterday, and... There just there seems like there's more self interest in other teams where Ineos never has that. It's the teamwork's fostered over individual, uh, individual expression. Uh, yeah, Lotto probably the closest team for me. Lotto had a if I was given a roadman, roadman of the of the tour, uh, it would be it would be one of the Lotto guys. Um, It'd probably be a lot of team if if I was to be honest. They were just, you know, they they lead out man Tuniston won a stage. They grown away and won a stage. He was second again today. <clears throat> they won the team time trial. They had Van Aert winning the stage. Uh, they were just they were phenomenal. Uh, they Chrysler on the podium. They did a little bit of everything about them. And when you think they've Roglic to come back to that and Tom Dumoulin going to that team as well, you know that's what I mean by open the game. That's what teams are going to need to do. Ineos have set the mark, other teams need to raise their game because it's just not washing at the moment and we're going to see absolute Ineos domination if other teams don't step up. Um, I couldn't help but feel for... I'm going to take one of my little uh, breaks for a sip of water. <clears throat> I couldn't help but feel for Luke Rowe. Uh, seeing the guys... 
arm in arm, riding down the Champs-Élysées, Egan Bernal in yellow, Grant Thomas second, you know, Catravieo, uh, Walt Pels, uh, Dylan Van Barl, uh, Moscon, uh, I definitely missed someone there, but I can't remember who, uh, all riding arm in arm, and Luke Rowe was watching from the sidelines, or at home, I don't know, I didn't see him there, I assume he stuck around, it's got to be hard on him for something as trivial as that head-to-head, tete-a-tete with Tony Martin, I feel for Luke Rowe, uh, I feel for Tony Martin as well, but more so Luke Rowe, um, he's a, seems a good guy, he seems like a guy that gets his job done, and yeah, it's a tough one, I'm sure he'll go out on the piss with the boys tonight, but uh, you'd I've been that, not in cycling, but I've been that soldier in football back in the day. And you'd be a part of a team all the way up till the quarterfinal and you'd get an injury or something. And even though you could have been a key player all the way up to the quarterfinal, they go on and win the cup. And they're celebrating and you just don't, you just don't have the same feeling or attachment as the other guys on the team. So, yeah, obviously not comparable winning a schoolboy football tournaments versus the Tour de France. But it's, uh, it. The emotion, I'm sure, is very similar. Uh, as I said yesterday, we don't have a we don't have a podcast sponsor in part because we haven't gone really looking for a podcast sponsor. If one had landed on our lap during the tour, perfect. Uh, at some point, I think when we're a bit more established, we'll make a more proactive attempt to attract sponsors. Uh, the numbers are good, so thanks for that already. Uh, that's it's humbling to think that people take time out of their day or bring me on their training ride so that's amazing so in lieu of a show sponsor again i'm gonna shill a1 coaching uh so i think it's the time of season where you need to double down your efforts you need to think about building a groundwork for next season you need to think about can i add 10 15 watts even if it's not a goal like a race you've got to be thinking can i add 10 15 watts onto my threshold can i add 200 watts onto my sprint before the end of the season because that's going to give you a higher platform to spring from from next season you've got to be looking at key performance metrics you've got to be data driven you've got to have someone in the background managing your training stress score even me like i, I know this stuff I put together the playbook, but I can't coach myself. It's you have no objective credibility. You've no I never know when I'm training too hard, I never know when I'm training not enough. So you need that third party to do it. So uh what we're gonna do for listeners is obviously I said yesterday we're gonna give a twenty percent when you mentioned A one show on uh, off the first month, but also uh this week, obviously we can't do this for everyone, but uh, the first five people to drop us an email info at a1coaching.net we're going to hook up a training call for you so we're just going to get one of the coaches to give you a buzz just talk about how your season's going absolutely no obligation to sign up or anything it's literally just a chat so it'll be myself or one of the other coaches um, we're just going to have a chat see how your season's going and give you a few pointers say look you could have done this better you know bike you're using is not right the nutrition you're using isn't right or the way you're preparing for these races isn't right you guys are putting a lot of time and effort into getting ready for this stuff 2% extra is going to elicit way way better results and it's just small little tweaks you know a lot of time we've clients coming into us we're actually taking down the amount of training hours they're down we're just giving them a little bit more structured and a little bit more focused and the results are insane you know some of the times we can't even post the results you know like some of the results if we posted client testimonials people would be like you're doping them up it's a systematic doping u.s postal style shit going on there we're sticking 20 percent on clients threshold in eight weeks 
like it's insane the way like the corporate group i was talking about that i'm working with at the moment like the results are just they'll blow you away like so that like the weight loss increase in energy levels increase in sleep quality you know it's it's baffling stuff but uh, I'm going to leave the, the plug there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep doing them plugs, guys. Feel f- feel free if you are uh, if you don't like listening to me rant about uh, A1 for the meantime. Feel free to just whack the old forward 30-second button on that. Uh, I'll try and keep them to sort of 60 seconds max because I know I listen to the Lance Armstrong podcast and it's littered eight, nine times through with two-minute ads. So I'm going to be respectful of your time and I'm going to keep it to one slot of ad stuff per podcast uh i'll generally just throw it in whenever i think about it um when i get a bit more organized i'll try and lump them all in to start maybe uh the irish how do we get on how do us irish get on in this fucking tour de france uh i might try and get neil martin on during the week uh neil would be a great man to chat to neil's an interesting dude he obviously dan's the interesting cycling career himself just all around interesting guy you talk about a man who's figured a lot of shit out living out in Girona figured out you know he's nearly hacked what it's like to be the perfect retired semi-retired life it's he's figured out a lot of shit he's a good man so I'd love to get him on for a bit of a chat so if you're listening there Neil that's a shout out to you uh so hit me up and we'll hook that up uh Dan's yeah look you couldn't help but say Dan was disappointed and he was disappointed, I'm sure, in his own performance as well. Uh, so he said there yesterday, he said, it's been, it's been a bit strange really. Obviously, I came in with excellent condition and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. I think the teams got to look at why that performance wasn't there. But obviously today, it was nice to finish on what was probably one of my best days of the race. We'll go forward with that. Uh I had the condition, but there was just something blocking me, and that's what's frustrating, he said. I came in with excellent condition, but that's just the way it is. My body emptied, and I had no power in the finishes. Every day I was in the mountains, and I was in the break. I was feeling good, and then suddenly the lights went out. All very mysterious. It kind of sounds like Dan's alluding to something that the team is doing that's not working for him, whether it's a nutrition provider, whether it's something logistical that's affecting his sleep, I've no idea, but it sounds like something that's out of Dan's control and within the team's control, which, which is quite odd. Um, but it, it's, you know, Dan's a consummate professional. He wasn't pointing fingers at anything. Maybe it's equipment. I don't know. I've no idea. Uh, I, it seems like we probably won't ever know. It's probably a change that's going to get made internally. Dan had a disappointing tour. Uh, Nico had a, quite a good tour, I thought. Uh, he was a little bit off. He was a little bit off the pace. He was, again, bringing Matthews back today, which was cool. He was a little bit off the pace uh, in the final, but he was he was great to watch. You know, he got into breaks and you couldn't fault him for honesty of effort. And he could slap off the deck on the four style point stages as well. So good to see him making Paris. Uh, another guy who's been a guest on the A1 show before, so we'd love to get him back at some point, maybe in the next week, if I can snag it and have a chat how the tour went for him. Uh, the other one, Chris Yo Jensen. Yeah, he had a great tour. Like, he... Every day work and uh, how many stage wins did the boys win? Trentine was it two or three for Yates? I can't remember. And then they had the South African Impy. I'm gonna say five stage wins. Could be could have been four. Yeah, it could have been four. It's four or five stage wins uh, for Mitchelton Scott. So that's an epic. It's an epic Tour de France. Considering they went in with GC hopes for Yates and that didn't pan out and they had to pivot. It like uh, their director White must be absolutely delighted with that 
because it, it's a proper Tour de France. It's one of the most successful ones. I'd say we're looking at, you know, obviously Ineos, Lotto, Mitchelton start as the podium of successful Tour de France teams this year. Will we see a Colombian team in the next few years? Like, there's a lot of good Colombians out there at the moment. I think yesterday I said Carapaz is Colombian. I think he's Ecuadorian. Uh, but we've obviously Quintana, we've Bernal, we've Gaviria, we've Rigoberto Aran. Like, there's a lot of Colombians out there. You know, I don't know what the course is like for the Olympics in Tokyo, but you've got to think Colombia is a favour to be winning out there. Like, it's a super strong team at the moment. I'd love to see a Colombian World Tour team. I, I think the criticism, Colombians have been around for years. Back in the 80s, uh, when Kelly was racing, they were talking about Colombians breaking through and winning tours, and they were always great climbers, but I think they had a bad rep back in the day for crashing on the sense. Uh, they seem to have shaken that rat. Bernal's a good bike handler. He was second, I think, at the U23 World Mountain Bike Championship, so he's well able to handle his bike. Uh I'd love love to see a Colombian cycling team. I don't think it's going to be that long till we see one. Uh, it, it's a great, in, it's a great little carrot on the end of the stick for any young lad in Colombia knowing there's a development team there straight away. Rather Bernal's pathway was over to Italy and then to Ineos. Imagine having that nice stepping stone of a Colombian team because it's difficult to go from Colombia into uh, an Italian team. You know, culturally, it's difficult. It's for a young kid going a long way from home. It's difficult. Foods are difficult. You know, it's hard. And I'd say you lose a lot of kids through the cracks with that type of logistical, just mental anguish and torture. I know as a, you know, I'd graduated from college when I went over to France and going over there racing as an amateur was still real hard. You know, going over and not having the language, you know, different foods, away from my friends, family, it's hard. Uh so I'd love to see a Colombian cycling team in the next few years. Uh, also, how how shit do I feel about my linguistic skills? Watching 22-year-old Egan Bernal on the podium. Not only is he the best cyclist in the world, he gives his victory speech in four different languages. What the fuck? He thanked them in French, Italian, English, and in Spanish. The lad's a rock star. So that's unbelievable. Uh, I think we, a lot of attention today goes on the guys who are standing on the podium with their hands in the air, especially the guy with the big lion and the yellow jersey that we've talked about so much. But the sacrifice it takes to finish the Tour de France is phenomenal. You're not, you're talking 365, 24-7, these guys are switched on. It affects every relationship they have. It affects every travel choice they have. It affects every food choice they have. It affects every aspect of their life from what time they go to bed at to what time they wake up at to how much they're hydrating to how much they're training it can't be overemphasized how all-encompassing being a cycling pro is when you contrast it to you know a football pro tennis pro golf pro it's just so full-on so anyone who gets to that level it's just the ultimate in sacrifice and it's an obvious you know, the opportunity cost is so high for some of the guys and you know for like the cost benefit analysis i suppose for bernal guys who are that we know their names you know your caleb yunes your bernals your bling matthews the benefit they're getting is huge out of huge contracts huge publicity potentially media careers after sponsorship endorsement they're celebrities and huge paychecks and they're foregoing obviously a career they could be doing something something else but it's well worth it because of the financial and 
uh, financial rewards they're getting off it. But the guys, some of the guys at the back of the peloton, the guys who you're seeing riding on the front every day into the wind, some of these guys aren't getting huge salaries. You know, you, I think, was it Carapaz won the Giro d'Italia and he was on 55,000 a year, I think? Something around that. Don't quote me on that figure, but it wasn't it wasn't over 70k as far as I remember. And he won the Giro d'Italia. He was the winner of the Giro d'Italia. So thinks what some of the domestiques are making, you know, 35, 40k a year. They're putting their life on the line every day. They're putting their body on the line every day. They're doing long-term damage to their body with some of the racing they have to go through, racing sick, racing injured. It's a difficult, difficult sport. So to those guys, to the guys at the back of the peloton, that's who I want to give the Roadman Award today. So thank you for just making the last three weeks possible. They're the guys who are they're they're facilitating the they're facilitating the great champions. Sometimes they're doing the work before we even come on air. They're ferrying the bottles up. They're keeping the team leaders warm. They're keeping them sheltered. They're keeping them motivated. They're bringing them back from crashes. They're giving them their bikes. They're helping them out after the stage with little bits and pieces. You know, they're the guys I want to tip my hat to. The road men. And I think that's a it's a nice place to leave it for today. I think it's I'm touching after eleven o'clock here because of the late stage finish. I'm sure in Paris the guys are about to just wind up the after party and get stuck into it. But for me, I'm about to stick on the pajamas and uh, do my final piece of editing to get this out to you guys uh, immediately so you can listen to it tomorrow. And this concludes our A1 Tour de France podcast. I'll be back next week. I'll start confirming, uh, check out our social and I'll confirm times and days that we'll be back. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into some of the more substantive training topics as we go. So if you have any requests for what you'd like me to talk about, guests you'd like me to interview, keep that sort of stuff coming. So for me, uh, bon nuit et viva la tour, the 100th anniversary of the yellow jersey. It's been taken by a Colombian, Egan Bernal. He'll go down in the history books. Thanks for tuning in and chat to you soon.